0: We have something special in store for you today, and so if you can forgive us, it's going to take a minute for us to get the stage set for this. You mind setting that back for me, Ryan? All right. Now, some of you may know this, some of you uh, may not. I would imagine, uh, actually, most may not. Slide this back here. But back in January, we started a group here at Carolina Family Church. It was one of my passions in ministry and some other folks in this group is to make sure that we're thinking about the next generation of leadership in our church and to be sure that across all of our church, we have qualified Bible teachers um, who are able to not only teach the Bible, but also also discern truth from deception and to make sure we're protecting our our church from any uh, misunderstandings or false teaching that may be out there. And so back in January, we started a, a group here at Carolina Family Church called Developing Bible Teachers. And the goal of that group was to take people and and instruct them on how to properly study and understand and interpret the scripture. We did that in the spring semester. And then in the fall semester, we talked about how to teach the scripture, how to... uh, Draw the correct application of Scripture, how to actually communicate those truths to a group of people, whether that would be teaching an individual, a small group environment, or from stage teaching. And so we finished that group last week. Our last meeting was last week. And I thought, what better way to uh, cap that group than to give those who went through it an opportunity to actually get on stage and practice what we've been studying over the last year, And so, what we have today is something very special. We're calling it the five for five. Okay? Five for five. And that's not an Arby's reference. For those of you that may be wondering, I I hadn't thought about that earlier, and somebody, I think John Kale, I said five for five, and he said beef and cheddars. (laughs) So, he's thinking food, but now you all are going to go to Arby's after the service, and that's fine too. But uh, I know we all want to go to Chick fil A, but we can't. So, Arby's is a close second. Anyway, Five for five. So what we're going to do is we've got five guys up on stage who went through that with us this year. And um, each of them are going to get five minutes. All right. And they're going to go rapid fire one at a time, get up. And they've each chosen their favorite scripture on prayer. And then they're going to teach that scripture. And one of the reasons that we chose prayer is because when we did our series, uh, You Asked For It, a couple of series ago, where you guys voted on what we were going to teach. Prayer was way high up on the list, but didn't make it into that final, the final uh, series. So I know you want to hear about this. How do I pray? What do I pray for? How, how does it work? Does it work? All those kinds of things. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And so I'm going to introduce uh, our first speaker, and then their nameplates will be up on the, here, so you'll have their names. And we're just going to go one, one, in a, one, one in a row. One in, I don't know what I'm trying to say. One at a time, that's what I'm trying to say. I should, maybe I shouldn't be teaching the group. Maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe I'm not, as, maybe I'm not good at this. Anyway, but, uh, but anyway, so this is gonna be a really fun thing for our church. And what I want you to know as we're doing this today as well is that let this put on display for you how important it is for our church to have qualified teachers within it so that we have a stable foundation as a church and that the, the future for us looks very, very bright Um, as we have leaders who are well-instructed in the Word and able to teach it, all right? So we're going to start with, actually, Bill and I led the group together um, uh, as we went through this. It was actually Bill's idea to start with. (laughs) and We had lunch, and he said, what do you think of this? And I was like, we're going to do that. So um, Bill's going to come up, and Bill's going to start us off by talking our first session on prayer, all right? So make sure we welcome them as they come up and celebrate all the hard work they put in.
1: Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Hi, I'm Bill. Forgive me for sitting down, but you know, us uh, seniors are a little weak in the legs. <laughs> anyway, so um, my dear wife Brenda and I have been part of Carolina Family uh, Fellowship for about a year and a half, and we've made some special friends. I mean, we, we've we come to know and love a lot of you, but our special friends, Ryan and Eva, who couldn't be here this morning, and the Jones family, where are you, Jones family? Yeah. Yeah, so we have a Bible study every week at Eva's house, and we're going to start picking up again in January with uh, James' epistle, and, so, and you're invited. So come and you know come and visit if you don't you know, want to be part of a real, you know, in-depth Bible study. Uh, so uh, you know, there's some things that you know about me. Some of you know that um, I'm a graduate of Moody Bible Institute, and I've been teaching as a Bible teacher for thirty years. But I bet you, many of you don't know that Pastor John and I go way back. And uh, uh, we served at the old High Rock as pastors there over 10 years ago. And uh, and we were friends then. But when we've reconnected, I'm just amazed because all I can say is that I'm so, you know, glad to be working with John. I feel closer to him than any pastor that I've ever worked with with and and that's and that 's uh, sincere truth, so uh okay, so prayer, <clears throat> how important is that in your life? Uh, imagine you have one day to live the night before you have dinner with your closest friends and family. after dinner, you pour out all the important things that you want to be remembered by, and you have a final prayer with them. What would that look like? <laughs> How would you feel about that? Well, I hope you never have to experience that, but Jesus did experience that. And John chapter 13 through 17 records all of the details of that final evening that he shared with his friends. Uh, After the Passover meal, he took a towel and he washed their feet, and then taught them some of the most profound lessons in discipleship and being his disciple that you'll find in the New Testament, culminating in John chapter 17, which is called his high priestly prayer. I think it's the greatest prayer ever prayed. So would you turn with me to John chapter 17? And of course, you'll want to read this whole prayer, but I'm just going to read two verses And I believe it captures the essence of Jesus' prayer. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Dad. Uh, So in uh, John chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus prays, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, and are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Wow. First of all, notice that he wasn't just praying for his disciples. He prayed for you. He prayed for me. He prayed for everyone, even before we were born, that would ever believe in him for the last 2,000 years. He prayed for us corporately as his body, his church, that we would be one. What what does he mean by that? Well, Brenda and I, we love to spend time with our grandkids. We watch TV with them. And every so often, a toy commercial comes on. And they get all excited. They say, I want that, I want that. That's what Jesus is praying for. That when people see the love of God in your life and corporately, as we worship together in this room, when they feel that, uh, that, that love that we have for each other and for God, that they want that. They see that and they want that. So, so really, this is the challenge. Will you pray the same way that Jesus prayed, starting with yourself, that God's love would overflow from your life into the lives of others? And if, uh, for our Carolina family here, that we would maintain the love that already exists here, that we would maintain that and continue to love each other so that when we worship together, people see what we have and they say, I want that. They have Jesus, I want Jesus.
2: All right, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Ryan. Uh, I'm the guy that's got the business logo on the back of my truck. Um, I sell cars. And uh, I pray that uh, maybe you guys would need a car next week and come in, <laughs> come in and buy a car off me. But is, <laughs> but is that something we should really be praying for? And um, Jesus gives us teaching on prayer, um, how to pray. We read Luke chapter eleven, verses one through four. If you want to turn with me, I'm going to read it. Um, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished. One of his his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. The same way Jesus teaches us to pray in Luke, he teaches again on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. If you want to turn there with me, we have the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Let's see. Verse 9, the prayer begins with an adoration or the act of worship given to God alone. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. In verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice how Jesus acknowledges subjection to God's will there. Then he lifts up his requests. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he ends the prayer with a praise. For yours is the kingdom, yours is the power and the glory forever. Amen. Immediately after Jesus teaches us what our prayers should look like, he emphasizes the importance of forgiveness in verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your transgressions. And he's not talking about forgiveness from heaven or hell. He's talking about discipleship and being in fellowship with one another. Forgiveness is essential to fellowship with God. We need forgiveness in our lives. <clears throat> and if you've never, and if you're having trouble forgiving someone today, I want you to consider Jesus and the price that he pays so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have fellowship with God.
1: <clears throat>
2: and if you've never made the decision to follow Christ, it is as simple as believing in him, putting your faith in him, that he, that he is the Son of God, sent to save us from our sins. He died and rose again, ascending to heaven, and sending the Holy Spirit to whoever would put their faith in Him. And I pray you'd make that decision today. <clears throat> so let this prayer be a model prayer for us to help guide ourselves and others to a healthier prayer life, to fellowship with each other and fellowship with God. <clears throat> so if you're asking what, pray, what to pray for and how to pray, we want to pray like Jesus prayed, praying His will. Lift up your request to him or start with worship and then pray in his will, then lift your requests up to him. And end your prayer with praise, but the most important thing we can be praying for is forgiveness, and Jesus emphasized that pretty well there. So if you want to, if you got your Bibles turn to Matthew chapter six, verses nine through thirteen, let's read the Lord's Prayer together. <clears throat> Our Father who is in heaven,
3: That was a good word, man. That was awesome. It was good. All right. uh, My name's Ben. I'm the church planning intern here at Carolina Family Church. And I have a question for you. Have you ever prayed for something that you felt like was just never going to happen? Raise your hands. A bunch of people. I mean, you pray for it, and you pray for it, and you pray for it. You feel like it's never going to happen. When I was in college, I was single. And so I prayed to God. I'm like, God, can you please send somebody that will love this hot mess? And I prayed for (laughs) it, and I prayed for it. And it just wasn't happening. So I said, you know what? I'm praying for it, but I'm going to take control of this. So I went out and I kept dating people and only had three qualifications for who I dated. The first, they had to be female. I was very strict on this. Had to be a female. Had to be. Number two, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. So I wanted to find somebody that was a believer because I didn't want to just date this person. I wanted to potentially marry them, raise a family with them. So I wanted them to be a believer. And the last thing was I had to like them and they had to at least be able to tolerate me because I didn't want to be dating somebody that I had to keep trying to just say, you know, at least see some good in me somewhere. So I kept praying that, but I kept trying to control it and and I kept going in and out of all these relationships. And it wasn't until I finally said to God, I said, God, I'm praying for this, but I trust you. I trust you with it. I'm trusting you to find me someone because I'm trying to find them on my own, and I am striking out big time. And the thing is, when I prayed that, shortly after that is when I met my wife, Lauren. And the rest is history. And what I, what I didn't realize at the time was Lauren had been praying the exact same thing. And she had been trusting God that God would send her somebody that she could not only date but to p- potentially marry raise a family with. And while we were waiting for God to intervene in this, the church in Philippi, in the book of Philippians, was waiting for God to intervene on a much greater scale because they were actually fearing for their lives. And so in Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes to them, and in verses 6 and 7, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And there's three things I want to pick out of this. You can tell I preach a lot everything's in threes. But um, the first thing is prayer. When we think about prayer, prayer, is not, prayer was never intended to be a monologue. Prayer was never intended for a time where we go to God and we tell him everything we need and everything we want him to do, and then we just get up and walk away and forget about it. Prayer is a dialogue. So when we pray to God, we have to wait for him to respond, too. If, if I walked up to Bill and told him a bunch of stuff that I needed him to do and I wanted him to do, and as soon as I got done, I walked away, first of all, Bill probably wouldn't talk to me. And secondly, that's just, when you do that, it's just not how you interact with people. So second in, in here is supplication. And the word supplication is a prayer that is a need. It is a prayer that you pray earnestly. It is a prayer that you pray humbly. And it's a prayer that you either pray for yourself, God, I I need this in my life. God, I need this to happen. Or you pray for someone else, God, they need this in their life, and I'm praying on their behalf. And finally, and, and this one to me takes the most faith of all of them, is thanksgiving. Because a prayer of thanksgiving is saying, God, I trust you in this. It's saying, God, I am thankful for everything you've done for me, and I'm thankful for everything you're going to do, and I trust you to handle this so much better than I ever will. And see, once you pray that and once you trust God with it, you will have that peace that passes all human understanding because whatever you're going through that you're praying for has transferred from your human hands to his supernatural hands, and God will handle it so much better than we ever will. But when we pray, we have to be willing to give up that control. It doesn't mean we have to stop caring about what we're praying for. We wouldn't be going to God about something if we didn't care about it. But it's a matter of giving up control and saying, God, this is yours. Because controlling whatever it is is not the solution. Praying to God and giving it to him is the solution. So let me ask you this. Is there anything in your life right now that you're praying for that you're still trying to control?
4: Hi, I'm Dennis Welch and um, I've been attending this church from the beginning. Uh, my family and I were part of the group that helped start it. It would be a part that came alongside with John Allen when he first mentioned to me that he was going to start a new church called Carolina Family Church. I immediately thought, wow, that sounds really cool, a family church. That's 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 my heart. Um, but immediately I, I, I said, well, I don't want to jump in too quickly. I don't want to tell John I'm going to join him or anything like that. Let me pray about it for a while. And that's actually what I did. I prayed for a while and, and God led me to the decision to asked my family to come and be a part of this. And I've never regretted it. It's been an awesome experience and so glad that we could be here. Um, I'm also a uh, counselor. counselor, That's usually what I do. Biblical counselor is what I like to call myself, meaning that I try to use the Bible in my counseling to explain um, the truths that I believe that we all need that the scripture already teaches. And I truly believe that, that this has words of wisdom in life that we all need um, no matter where we are in life, and so I do a lot of counseling and I use the Bible in my counseling and so uh, whenever I was given the opportunity to share with you, I thought, well, this will be perfect you know i 'll share something I would share with people that I counsel all the time um, and so so one of the things I ask people when I counsel them is what what is your relationship with God like and a lot of times people will say well i don 't really feel close to God; I feel like he doesn 't hear me he doesn 't answer my prayers and to me, whenever they say that, I always think, well, there are a few things that can hinder your prayer life. And, you know, there are several things to me that the scripture teaches that we need to be aware of that can hinder our prayer life. Um, One is simply not confessing our sins to God. That hinders our prayer life. And I think that's kind of a no-brainer, but if we can't confess our sins or own what we've done, then God doesn't hear our prayers. Um, Another one was one that, uh, that Ryan spoke about is lack of forgiveness. When we can't forgive other people, then God has a hard time forgiving us. It's not that he can't forgive us. It's that he doesn't hear that because we still have bitterness in our own heart and we're not releasing that. We're not trusting God with that. And then the last one is kind of what Ben was just talking about. When we pray, we need to pray and trust that God's gonna answer that prayer. Give it to God and not not disbelieve. And so those are three major things, I believe, that the scripture teaches. But there's one thing that I really wanna talk a little bit more about today today. And this one is specifically toward husbands. So if you're a husband, please listen up. This is for you. Um, and for wives, you're gonna to wanna to hear this too. And you know what? Even if you are not a husband or a wife, if you, one day you hope to have a husband or one day you hope to have a wife, then this may be applicable there for you as well. So, um, but it's in, found in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It is a specific verse that is to husbands. And it says this, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And to me, it's the only other place in the Bible where it specifically points out to one person, husbands, your prayers will be hindered if you don't do this. And I think it's a very important concept for us to get. Now, I don't want y'all to get hung up on words. You know, we don't have a lot of time to go through this whole verse and unpack it, but I do want to point out, you know, it does say the the woman as a weaker vessel. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in that and say, well, Peter just said women are weaker than men. Remember that Peter's talking to husbands. He's not addressing women in this context. He's addressing husbands. And he says, think of your wives as a weaker vessel. And how would you treat a weaker vessel? Well, in that day, a lot of times they would they would put things in clay pots. That's a weaker vessel or a vase or something, to, something expensive and pure. They would take care of it and put it in things that were very breakable, which is ironic to me. But that's a great example of how we are to treat our, our wives. They're they are something that we should care for. We should be gentle with. We should nurture. We don't treat them, uh, come at them with a hammer. We're going to break that vase if we do that. So we have to be more gentle with our wives. And that's exactly what he's talking about there. And the other thing that I just want to point out, and again, not going to dwell too much on it, but right after that, it says um, that they are, they are heirs with you of the grace of life. They're equal with you in the kingdom of heaven. They stand before God as you're going to stand before God, and you're going to answer for everything you do. So I just encourage you, how you treat them really matters. And again, what does that mean to honor your wife? What is the point of honoring your wife? Well, it just means this, that we are to um, put them first. It's not always about what we want or what's good for me. It needs to be thinking about my wife and what she needs. Because you know what? Every decision you make as a husband Affects your wife. Sometimes we don't think it does. Well, it's okay, I'll go buy this new toy. Um, But it'll affect them. Sometimes we get mad at our wives and we blame them for things that are going on in our marriage when we ought to also think, well, what have I done to get us here? Where did I mess up? Instead of blaming them, again, we need to honor them by how we lift them up and how we bless them and how we're in humility, uh, put them ahead of ourselves. And that's really what, what God's calling us to do here. So that's how our prayers will not be hindered. So, so again, just one question that a lot of people might ask when they hear this is, why does that matter to God? Why does God care how husbands treat their wives? Why is that important to him? Because every relationship matters to God and especially the husband-wife relationship here on earth. I think it has a very special elevation in God's eyes because it represents Christ's relationship with the church. And so husbands, be sure you honor your wives so your prayers will not be hindered.
5: Hey, let's give these guys one more round of applause, big one. Uh, you guys don't know what it's like to, well, now you do know what it's like, but to be in a church where this is allowed, where a pastor will allow other people to come up and take his, his mantle, to sit on his stage, and to train people to do that is a big deal. Um, I was here with Dennis on day one, and that's just one of the reasons why I love this church and uh, why I'll serve it until God tells me to go somewhere else, which I hope is not anytime soon. Uh, we've learned the, the how, the what, the when, the why up here about prayer, and I'm going to kind of just encompass that into one person. And uh, if you've never heard of David in the Bible, I'm sure that if any of you have been in church, you've heard of him because he's pretty pretty cool. It's a pretty big dude in the Bible. But if you haven't, all you got to do is turn on Survivor right now because they're the David versus the Goliath, right? You know who I'm talking about? You, everybody know who David is now? The guy who killed the big dude with the, big, with the sling with the rocks and stuff? There's three things you need to know about David. One, he loved God with all his heart. So much so that he was willing to risk his life for it against someone that nobody else would, who was bigger than him, stronger than him. He was delivering food to his brothers when that guy, Goliath, was calling all of them out. And he said, No, 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 no. You're talking about my G, capital G. You're not going to say stuff like that it's about my God. And he took him down. The second thing is that even God himself said, this is a man after my own heart. David was a lot of things. He was a, a brother, a son, a father, a teacher. He was a king. But more importantly, he was a musician and a writer. He was such a good writer that half of an entire book is devoted to his writings, which is Psalms. And I'm going to read one of those in Psalms 86 starting at verse 11. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you, but... But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength on behalf of your servant. Save me, because I serve you just as my mother did. Give me a sign of your goodness, that that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. The third thing you need to know about David you could say he was a pretty messed up guy. See, he had these super high highs, but what does that give you? Really low lows. And he had some trouble with his character. And he would make mistakes that most of us would say were the worst of the commandments to be broken. But he knew, because he loved God with all his heart, that was, he was in one of those really low lows and half these psalms are written about being lonely and being depressed, and no one being around him, and no one being able to help him. And then he cries out to God and said, "I love you, I know that you care about me. Comfort me." And that comforting part is the part I want to talk to you about to finish on. Show him that picture if you wouldn't. Monday, sorry. <laughs> I got a call that my wife was going to the hospital because this had happened. And she went up under a tractor trailer doing about 50 when the thing was stopped. And I didn't know what was going on. And the first thing I did was drop on my knees and start praying because that's my life. And I knew, just like David did, that if I started praying, no matter what was happening, that God was going to come and comfort me, and I needed that in that moment. I needed something that was bigger than me to take it. I needed people that would gather around me in fellowship that I could call and say, start praying, because I know that prayer works and God is listening. And he comforted me, even though I know it was really tough because I was losing it, until I saw my wife and put my arms around her. Because today she is back there teaching without a scratch on her. And I know who did that. And what scares me when I wake up in the morning and a cold sweat is that some of you do not have that. Some of you cannot pray to someone who is bigger than you and know that he will take it. That you don't have to worry about it. That his love never fails. If you don't have that, John's going to talk up a little bit about more how to get that. But please do not go through this life on your own. You don't have to. My wife believes in it. She's the one that comforted me. Said, God's got this. Don't worry about it. God's got it. He's still got it. If you don't have it, get that comfort. Start praying to the one who saves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's been a hard week for Jeremy. It's been a hard week. But what I've seen in him and honestly what I've seen in all of these men up here at one point or another is how they have drawn close to God through prayer. And and Jeremy's right. If you're going through something and you feel alone, there's no reason you should feel alone. You know, one of the big questions that was burning for me as I was thinking about prayer was what does it do? You know usually when we think about prayer we we think that what prayer does is change the situation. So that's why we go to God with all of our requests and everything that we want him to do, everything we want him to change. But that's not really what I mean it does that, but that's not really what prayer is for. Prayer is a method of us drawing close to God. For it's 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 how we stay in fellowship with God. And so Really, the greatest prayer that we can pray is the prayer of confession. Ryan was talking about forgiveness. The greatest prayer we can pray is the prayer of confession. The first first time we come to God and we say, God, I realize that I've sinned and I've failed you and I believe Jesus died for me. And then he rose again and I believe that. And when we make that prayer, when we say that to God, our fellowship with him begins. And now we have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, with the heart we believe and with the mouth that we confess and are saved. And, and, uh, and then what happens through life is we face things like Jeremy's face this week is that when something happens, we go to God in prayer. And what we, every day when we come to him and we confess and we, we bring those requests with supplication, with, with thanksgiving, with all of that that Ben talked about, then we draw close to him. Every day we draw closer and closer and closer to him. And and when we've got sin in our own life that's breaking our relationship with other people, that's keeping us from our relationship with God, like Dennis was talking about. And we have to go to God and we have to confess that and we need to make those things right because our relations, our fellowship with people affects our fellowship with God. So what prayer does is it takes all of that and it, it brings it all together so that we don't have to feel alone. And and when we're doing that for ourselves and our relationship with God and we're doing that with each other, what it does is it brings us all together in unity like Bill was talking about, like like Jesus prayed for us in John 17. When he said, God, I pray that they would all be one as you and I are one. That that we would have fellowship with each other the way Jesus and God himself have fellowship. The way that, that we would have fellowship with God that way and then when people see that and the kind of hope that it creates like it has for Jeremy this week and the kind of peace that that creates and the kind of joy that creates that they would look at that and they would say, like Bill said, I want that. I want a relationship like that. I don't want to be alone anymore. I don't want to feel disconnected from God anymore. I don't want to feel like God doesn't hear my prayers, doesn't answer my prayers anymore. I want to have that kind of connection. That kind of connection comes through prayer. And that's why it is so vital for every single one of us. And so I don't think there's any more appropriate way to finish this than to pray. <laughs> so we're gonna, go, we're gonna go to God in prayer and we're gonna ask him for that connection today. We're gonna ask him for that fellowship. God, I come to you today and I thank you for faithful people who are willing to study the scripture and to teach it so that we can see the truth. So that we can see that you have designed a relationship for us and that's really what prayer is. Prayer is, is, is the expression of our relationship with you a way that we can talk to you and that we can more importantly hear from you. Forgive us for any time that we bring you requests and we don't listen for what you're saying. I know a lot of times for me, Lord, and probably for a lot of us here, we bring requests to you and we already have the, the solution predetermined. We already know what we want you to do. Forgive us for that. Forgive us that, for that pride. Help us to come to you in humility. Help us to come to you in worship. Thankful for our salvation. With perspective, knowing that you do work all things together for our good. Not, not what we want to do. We confess that, not what we want to do. Not how we think it should work out. You know what's good for us. We, don't, we rarely know what's good for us, but you always know what's good for us. So we're trusting you with those things. God, I know that there are things on people's hearts today in this church. And I pray that they bring those things to you the way that Ben described today. That they bring those requests to you with supplication and with thanksgiving, with trust. And I pray for anybody in the room who may feel disconnected from you, that they would see today that the solution is prayer, that the solution today is humility, that if they don't have a relationship with you to begin with, that they know they can start that today, and that today they give a prayer of confession to say, God, I know I've failed you, I know I've fallen short, but I want a relationship with you. And so I believe that Jesus died to pay for my sin so I could have that. And I believe that he rose again in power. And that as they pray that prayer today for the first time that you accept them as your child that you come to be with them, that you send your spirit to them so that they don't have to go through anything else alone and they can know not only are you with them always through this life, but that you, they will be with you for all of eternity. And God, as we walk through this life day by day and we face things, I pray that every single day we would pray, that you would remind us to pray, that you would teach us to pray the way Christ did, And that our relationship with you, our fellowship with you, would grow day by day. Our faith would get stronger day by day. The way that we relate with other people, the way that we honor other people, would improve day by day because our relationship with you is growing through prayer. Help us to do that. And as we do, God, we just thank you for the joy that you give us, and the peace that you give us, and the hope that you give us, and the confidence that you give us to know that we're your child that we're forgiven, that we're saved, that, we're, that you're with us, we will always be with you, we will never be separated, we will never be parted, and there's nothing that we have to fear. That you will always look out for our good, that you will always take care of us, you will always guide us in the ways of truth, and that, that you have surrounded us with people that love us and who believe the same. And that together, we grow closer and closer to you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.